Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Mr. Beacon podcast is sponsored by Williot, scaling IoT with battery-free Bluetooth. Welcome back to the uh, Mr. Beacon podcast. Uh, we're wrapping up the Cooper Partner event and I'm uh, here to talk with uh, Fabio Baloni. Welcome back to the show. I think this is like Thank your you. third time on. Um, and uh, we're going to cover a number of things. I want to talk to you about where the industry is, what Cooper's been doing in the last year, a lot of changes. But the first thing I'd love to do whilst we're here is to show people angle of departure. We had Ken on the show um, a few weeks ago. And uh, he was talking about the difference between AOA, angle of arrival, and AOD, angle of departure. And that's all theory. I'd love to see this in practice. And you actually have, have it running here today, right? That's correct. That's correct. So to do this, we have a phone. It's a very large phone. <laughs> do you want to hold that? Sure, and we absolutely. can demonstrate. And so Thank you. Just, uh, just recap uh, for us a little bit and explain briefly the difference between AOA and AOD, and then take us through this setup here. Right. So we are here at the Coupa Partner event 2019, and what we wanted to do here was to showcase AOD, which means having a, a, a locators with a single radio that is broadcasting a BLE advertisement packet, and while doing so, switching through all of the antenna arrays. So okay. that's why we call it Beacon on Dope, because while a Beacon has a single antenna, that is used a broadcast. Now we are using the multiple antennas and the antenna arrays to be switched through uh, the device at transmission. So it's the same hardware. You've got, is it eight segments in your antenna? A number of segments. A number of segments. A number of segments. <laughs> with one radio. Normally, with angle of arrival, you're listening. 
but in yes. this case you've switched it around and Correct. you're broadcasting. Correct. It's exactly the dual mode. So what is happening, the locator are transmitting, think it off as a satellite in sky for GPS, so they are providing a signal, the enablement signal, and then in here in my hand I have a prototype of a futuristic phone, okay. where this phone is having a display, Yes, is actually running all the positioning engine uh, instead of on the phone CPU on a Raspberry Pi, Okay, is running our Koopa positioning engine, and it's feeding all the IQ sample, which is effectively what the Bluetooth 5.1 standard core is about. Uh-huh. So in here we have a receiver board that is running Bluetooth 4.0 plus all the Coupa proprietary implementation to be able to compute the IQ sample, which are then fed into the Raspberry Pi. The Raspberry Pi is running our positioning engine, is computing our coordinates, and then in here we have them on display. And so the use case here is we're doing, rather than doing RTLS, asset tracking, we're doing indoor position systems, sensing, indoor position sensing or navigation. Correct, correct. And you've taken this Cooper um, location engine, which is normally running on a server somewhere, and you've got it actually running on this very large phone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So the idea here, what we wanted to demonstrate, is that if you have, for instance, an AOA setup, exactly as you said, tag, locator in AOA mode, and a server computing everything, we could at the same time also provide AOD to, for instance, a mobile handset. That could be mm-hmm. phone, tablet, anything. Mm-hmm. And this device is just a futuristic device. Right. Later on, everything that is here on the back of the device will be shrinked to the size of a silicon, yeah. of a chip. The important thing to recognize is that, for instance, a phone, the screen already is there. The CPU, which is the equivalent of the Raspberry Pi, is already there. The single antenna is already on the device, and the only thing that is needed is the 5.1 BLE chip plus the Cooper positioning engine, so the algorithm will compute the coordinates. And every device that would be in the area will be able to compute its own location. This is massively important because there is no capacity limit. So you could have, similarly to GPS, an unlimited number of devices within the same area, everyone computing his own positioning, and at the same time the phone will own his own data because it doesn't need to share it with the network, which means an inherent protection for security, similar to what you have for every mobile device nowadays. So I could have a stadium with 100,000 people in it, and you might have uh, maybe a hundred locators or, or, or less in the in the ceiling. Everyone would have the next generation iPhone or the next generation Android phone. It would be very similar to the phone they've got today, but it would have a 5.1 radio, still one antenna, but the latest radio. And if they were running the Cooper positioning engine on it, then they'd get much better indoor navigation. Correct, correct. Effectively, one day, the whole enablement of a phone to do AOD is practically a software update. Right. It would just mean maybe a mobile app that would be downloaded, and then the mobile app could run the Cooper positioning engine. So for customers that already have your locators deployed because they want to track the, the, the assets that are, in the, uh, that are in the stadium or in the factory... Can they use the same hardware to do RTLS and, and use it and, and switch it around 
simultaneously so that it's sending and receiving, so it's uh, tracking tags that are on assets, but also sending out the signals so that people with these phones can do indoor navigation? Short answer, absolutely yes. Okay. That's the vision, so Coop has been building from the very beginning, keeping AUD and consumer market in mind. So we wanted to make sure that all of the technology that we have rolled into the market together with our partner during the years could be built so that it could support the new AOD uh, standard whenever making it available. We are doing our best effort in making that happen, mm -hmm. and the new generation of locator is a testament into that. So we are trying to keep into consideration with the Q17, which is the new generation Q devices that okay. were launched here at All the right. partner event. We wanted to ensure and, and, and make sure that they will support all the new standard upcoming. And the idea is really to have this convergence of use cases so that the single device could be an enablement for RTLS, real-time location systems, as well as for IPS, indoor positioning system, all in one devices, because the more use cases we can provide, the better value is gonna be for anybody within the value chain. So we've got this infrastructure, it can be in working in these two modes, time slicing between RTLS and indoor positioning. So are we uh, stuck waiting for Apple and Google to put this into phones or is there, are there other applications where you can use indoor positioning? That's a great question and the answer is again yes, luckily there is. So for instance robotics and anything, any device that is out there that would have the computational capacity and could run similar to a Raspberry Pi, the Cooper positioning engine could practically be enabled already today to compute his own location by making full use of the angular departure methodology. So I could have a delivery robot that is delivering food from the concessions to me when I'm sitting in my, uh, my seat, it could arrive and it could be navigating around with its own location tracking engine running in, the, in its brain. That's exactly how it would go. That's okay. exactly. It's I like this. pretty powerful. Okay, well let's have a look at this uh, very large phone and do some navigating. All right, thank you. Yeah, just follow me. Okay. So we are, we are here at the partner event and we have two locators in the ceiling. Both of them are battery powered, mm -hmm. so there is no connection to any kind of network. So the devices are broadcasting uh, an advertisement packet through the uh, antenna array, and in my hand I have uh, the phone, this futuristic phone, mm -hmm. which is computing its own position. And in here on the map, uh, we see my position in real time. Okay. Note that the position is completely invariant with respect to rotation. Okay. Of the You're device. twisting that around, and the dot is it's still just in the same there. location. And the reason is because the device only has a single antenna. The okay. multi antenna is actually on the ceiling, okay. and that device doesn't move. Right. Similar as GPS. Okay. Exactly. So in here I can show that as I move up and down this aisle or whether I move closer to the wall yes. or further away from the wall, yeah. then the, the, the dot is, is following me. All right. And here we are again So very cool. on the other side. And so you used a, uh, an analogy in your presentation which I thought was really good, which is the analogy of, of sound. If I was uh, a blind person and I could hear these sound beacons I would, using my two ears, I would be able to orientate myself and know where I was because I kind of know where this sound is coming from, I know where that 
that sound is coming from. Correct, correct, okay. correct. So there is a strong analogy between radio waves and, uh, and uh, acoustic sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in that explanation, we try to convey in very simple terms mm -hmm. the fact that the AOD and AOA, they are actually mutually complementary system. It just depends on whether you put the multi-antenna system in transmission or in reception mode. Wonderful. Okay, well, thanks very much for that. Let's uh, go outside and let's catch up on what's happening with uh, Cooper and a little bit more about where these standards are going. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. So, Fabio, thanks for that demo back there. I think you really brought out the difference between AOA and AOD. Uh, let's catch up. It's been a year since we've uh, spoken, at least a year. Um, what's happening uh, in terms of your product, uh, new announcements, that sort of thing? So we, we are seeing that the market that is accelerating fast. We see that announcement that the BTC gets brought in the end of January, really kind of sparkling new ideas and new interest into IoT, localization, smart building throughout all the different verticals. So what we have announced during this partner event here in Helsinki is actually the new family of Cooper products, mm -hmm. which we call the Q generation product. All right. So we have a new family member that is called the Q17. And why 17? So we are engineers, so we tend to be no very creative with the marketing name. So 17 is the diameter of the locator. All so right. 17 centimeters so across. So smaller than the... Correct. It's a 30% smaller than the old locator. It's completely new design. We have taken a lot of feedback from the field into consideration, starting from uh, electricians and field engineers that has been deployed thousands of locators uh, throughout the past years. They gave us a lot of valuable feedback. Everything was kept into account, completely different design to be more sleek. And then inside is a completely different product. We now have two radios instead of one, mm -hmm. so that uh, we can do more exotic things. One radio would be fully dedicated to the AOA and AOD part. Mm -hmm. The other radio could be used for multi-purpose. Okay. And one of these could be, for instance, connectivity towards TAG, more like the IoT over the air firmware upgrade, mm -hmm. collecting sensor data, or doing some of the most exotic uh, um, IoT-related features or enablement. Uh, that would require, for instance, connecting devices. And any change in cost? Uh, that's something that we haven't yet opened up, uh, but actually there is uh, some very new business model that uh, and price model that we are proposing to our partner uh, that uh, should uh, and will help all of them to get started. We have noticed that uh, some customers are very keen to operate under a CapEx model, other customers, they are more into a subscription model. Mm -hmm. So we haven't reached the portfolio and possibility for partners to start work with our product uh, in, the, in the best settlement way. Yeah. So that, so some just touched on the locator changes. What about on the tag side? Any changes there? So the tag side is getting more and more exciting. So we are getting more and more company and partners in here. We have 12 companies showcases all of our product, different tag, different form factor, different sensing capabilities. And all of our integrator partners, they are very excited to see all the portfolio of opportunities that there are in order to, because they think often that one tag types equal a new use case okay so uh, that that on the front line 
Uh, what Coupa is doing is to work very closely with more and more silicon vendors mm -hmm. to be able to provide the enablement for uh, all of the different vendors, tag vendor and silicon vendor to be fully Coupa compatible. And that opens up to the whole ecosystem of uh, AOA. So in the past, you just supported Nordic chips, is that right? Correct. In the past, uh, we focus in Nordic and we have done great things with them. Coupa is agnostic with respect to the silicon and radio technology. Mm -hmm. So our decision originally was simply business driven. Mm -hmm. uh, but we started to get more and more requests towards supporting multiple silicon vendors. So for instance, uh, we will have soon a TI chip that is gonna be supported, one of the latest. And so there will be others soon gonna be announced, not yet. Okay. So Bluetooth going to go from just supporting the transport to, to actually the uh, AOA and AOD, and it's happened. That's what 5.1 is. Where does that leave Cooper? Does, is that a good thing or a bad thing from your perspective? We are super excited about the new standard. Um, actually, our CTO, Antti, was the original contributor to the first version of the standard. Um, we this have, was like eight years ago or something. Yeah, exactly. I think that we submitted the first version of the standard specification was 2009, 2010. Uh, We've been waiting for a long time uh, into that to come into completion. And now that the core is out, we are extremely happy to uh, promote the new standard as the way to go for the future. The new standard is going to make Bluetooth much better than what it is today. It's going to enrich the capabilities. Uh, and the angle of arrival and angle departure methodology is going to open door to new use cases and applications that otherwise at this stage they are not really really feasible. From my perspective uh, you guys have had um, the best solution in this space for some time but in some senses the fact that you were really the only player here I think limited the size of the market and from my perspective having a standard and, and inevitably there's going to be competing vendors, you're now in a, in a category which is being established by one of the biggest brands in the world. So I think 
it's now going to be not a question of what is angle of arrival and is it a good thing, does it work? It's like, okay, angle of arrival offers us this high precision at a low cost. It's uh, not ultra wideband. It's a lot better than these other things. Who do we go for? And then you have this this playing fee field which is uh, set up for you to, to prove yourself. So that it's, it's likely that there will be competitors coming in. How do you rank your kind of classic Cooper protocol, which you're still going to be supporting, I understand. How does that compare to 5.1? It's all Bluetooth. You support Bluetooth. 5.1 builds on top of Bluetooth. But what you're selling now is not 5.1, is it? Correct. No one has 5.1 today. Correct. So we have been building the whole uh, angle of arrival and angle of departure capability starting from the Bluetooth 4.0. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we just build our own uh, proprietary profiles that allowed to make the overall technology run. So the 5.1 for us is an exciting uh, road because it will open the basic enablement already into commercial and consumer devices. Mm-hmm. So that's the exciting part. We are intending to support both the legacy device, meaning from 4.0 upwards using proprietary, as well as this new standard. And that's why the new locators, the new Q generation locators, they are really built with that idea in mind. So we believe a lot into what we call use case convergence. That means that we want to have a device that is able to run both RTLS, real-time location system like asset tracking, or having phone and tag emulation, together with the in, uh, indoor positioning system, the IPS, which practically means wayfinding, which means everything related to tracking mobile devices like mobile phone, tablet, computer, anything that is out there. So effectively, try to catch both sides of the of the of the curve. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to put it to you a little more uh, directly. From what I see in 5.1, which I think is a very good thing from the industry, more choice is good, but what I see in that protocol is it's chatty. It's, 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 it's a conversation with the beacon rather than, sorry, it's a conversation with the tag rather than just sending out a, a, a beacon. And in practical terms, that means you're going to chew up the battery life of the, of, of, of the tag. So... Uh, I, I think we as a Bluetooth community have to answer that and uh, see how we can take the Bluetooth direction finding standard forward so that it, uh, uh, so that it can, can really preserve the battery life of yes. the tag. Is, is what I've said fair? Is that... no, I, mean, I think that what you said is absolutely correct. There are a lot of things that need to be kept into account and also the fact that the 5.1 is now released to the core. The profiles are still open, they haven't been frozen, and there is still a lot of work that needs to be done in order not just to freeze the current version of profile, but potentially improve them to the point that they will cover a border spectrum of, of use cases. Because when you go, for instance, into pure asset tracking, you want to keep the radio packet short because that means to increase the capacity of the system. You want to also have not just connection-oriented uh, profiles for um, for trackability and tracing the device. You want also to have connectionless because if you start okay. to think about pure industrial, you have 20,000, 30,000, 50,000 asset tracking and environment. It has to be done in a very light way. Okay, so 
the, hopefully in the future we'll go from connection orientated direction finding to connection less to get that scalability and efficiency but in the meantime there's going to be a lot of vendors that are coming out with um, angle of arrival hardware um, you know what is it that uh, does that mean that they're going to have the same level of accuracy as you guys or, or what? We have been working for about 15 years into building the AOA and the AOD to the point that it is today. If you think about what the standard is providing, is really the smallest building block, which is the IQ sample. Uh, so if the IQ sample is somewhere here and having the dot of the map is coordinate is up there, mm -hmm. practically there is a lot of work that needs to be done to convert those raw sample data to angular measure to position and measurement. And on top of that, there needs to be all the collateral tools that allow to plan the deployment, commission the deployment, telemetry, monitor it, do everything that would make the system highly scalable. So from our side, and our vision is that in the future, there will probably be still the Coupa proprietary profiles in use, mm -hmm. because those ones are also more power efficient mm -hmm. than at least the current version where you have long packet that needs to be transmitted to your point of being more chatty. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what, what will turn because the radio needs to be open longer. So, but at the same time, there will be a lot of devices that will inherently come out of the factory being fully 5.1 compliant. Mm -hmm. And from Coupa side to the point of use case convergence, we want to be able to support as many devices, Bluetooth devices or use cases that are out there so that one single piece of infrastructure could run anything up to the imagination of the system integrator. So I think two things came out of what you said. <laughs> one is there's a lot of... Um, uh, IP in higher levels of the stack. So yeah, you can have 5.1 compliant uh, antenna, radio system, the low level, the IQ samples go up. But then there's all this software that's running that you've been developing. And then I think what you hinted at is the idea of maybe the, the Cooper engine uh, could potentially run on other people's hardware. Does it, does it, because uh, I can imagine if I'm a big access point vendor, I've been struggling with location forever. I'm just fed up with all these complaints. Now I have a standard. I can start building the hardware. But how do I catch up on this software side? And the obvious thing is license it from you guys. Would you guys be open to that kind of business model? Actually, yes. So we would be happy to discuss about those opportunities. In the past, we have been more closed into possible OEM integration. Uh, but uh, I think that this is the right time for us to open up to that possibility. And one of the key reasons is because we, all of us want to accelerate the market adoption. We want to make sure that uh, within the whole value chain of infrastructure provider, mobile phone and equipment provider, uh, and the system integrator, the venue owners, and the end customer, they all should benefit from having this new technology in their end. But you cannot deny to have any of those five building blocks. Mm -hmm. So we are excited into trying to accelerate the market as an whole, and we believe that find the right partner to which we could do a possible OEM integration could be a win-win because we could bring into the table many, many years of, of work and development and practically allowed them to frog jump into the two-day world without having to do that, that, that heavy lifting. 
what we could uh, uh, do is not just provide all the algorithm part uh, and, the, and the software, but there is also a lot of know-how related to the antenna array design itself mm -hmm. because opposite to other standards that in the past were released as part of Bluetooth where effectively the basic communication part and protocols were pretty much set um, and the antenna uh, design or some part of the hardware design were not part of the core enablement. The, the 5.1 AOA and AOD are different in that sense because even by having a 5 chip doesn't mean that you can do AOA or AOD. You still need to have the antenna array, which is a core part of the overall system. Yeah, as a solution architect, that possibility really excites me because to your point, I think it's going to allow adoption to go much, much faster and that's going to benefit the whole ecosystem. And really, if you're looking at optimizing a, a factory, a retail environment, you should be deploying angle of arrival, but I just can't see, you're not gonna have hundreds of thousands of customers buying your hardware, even though it's an amazing product. And so if you're gonna scale up quickly, I think uh, working through the folks that have already got that base, have got the contractual relationships and uh, gonna be trying to make this uh, new solution work makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we are more than happy to talk, for instance, with AP vendors, mm -hmm. talk to lighting company, mm -hmm. to talk to company that provide uh, speakers, anyone that would provide some infrastructure in the building to try to make those infrastructure richer and more aligned to the new positioning technologies. So let's just talk a little bit about industry segments and some of the alternatives. Now that angle of arrival is becoming established as a as its own category. What is that? What's the competition like? What are the alternatives like? And where is this technology going to be deployed? What, 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 uh, what are the market segments that you think that you're seeing the most growth in? Yeah. So historically, we have seen Bluetooth gaining a lot of traction for anything that is related to IoT. And typical IoT could be smart building, could be hospitals, and all of that. But the interesting part is that we see industrial IoT getting much more open into the adoption of Bluetooth technology. So in the past, that has been a market segment that was smiling more towards ultra-wideband. But they started to realize that Bluetooth is not just a consumer technology. It's actually a technology that can be well adopted into highly secure, mission-critical, harsh industrial environment and they can provide the same level of reliability as ultra-wideband with the advantage of having full compatibility into most of the devices that are actually already deployed on the floor. And a testament to that is that as part of our ecosystem, we are getting more and more former and current ultra-wideband technology provider that they want to expand their own offering towards their end customer and embrace Coupa technology with, ultra, uh, with Bluetooth as an extension of what they otherwise are already providing. So Bluetooth, uh, it, we are seeing it on a daily basis that is reaching places that before they were looking prohibited for them. So the market is getting more educated and industrial IoT is becoming more um, closer to the adoption of Bluetooth. So to give ultra-wideband its due, it's been delivering high accuracy, 
indoor location RTLS for, for some time. Uh, it's been used by most of the big luxury car manufacturers have, have used it. If you're making a product that costs $100,000, you can afford to put an in expensive infrastructure in. And in my mind, that's the disadvantage of ultra-wideband. Historically, it's been super expensive. It seems like it's coming down in price, but the other thing that I've seen as we've evaluated this technology is that uh, it burns through battery on the tags in a major way. Correct. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that ultra-wide-band is going to fade off it's not the industrial go away. environment. No. I think that it's going to stay there and they're going to find a long life across a lot of use cases. Yes. But what the industry sides are doing is that in a factory is not just about the production line there is a lot of other things to be tracked mm -hmm. outside the production line in the parking lot mm -hmm. in the warehouses and that's where bluetooth is finding more fertile ground towards expansion into industrial iot so i think that the two technology will very well coexist in the future yeah i think that's great it's so easy to turn this into a uh, a tabloid this is better than that and it really is the right tool for the right job so uh, but, but but I think that's not to understate what is potentially a massive wave of adoption of Bluetooth AOA because of the much lower cost I mean what I've seen is an order of magnitude less uh, in terms of cost that's not always going to be the case I think UWB is really driving the, the cost down so I think it's safe in its kind of premium uh, segment um, but what you guys are able to do with tags that last for years uh, is uh, is something that's very hard for ultra wideband to, to meet and uh, obviously uh, from my selfish point of view with Williot we see the opportunity to bring the tag price down from dollars to, to cents and, and uh, it's going to be impossible for uh, battery-free uh, passive technology to work with ultra-wideband. It just doesn't, uh, the physics won't work. So uh, I think it's really nice stratification of the market and, and you guys are in, in a great position to benefit. And more importantly, I think it's really going to change the, the way industrial IoT is done. Yeah, we see that in the industrial space there are more and more sensors mm -hmm. or tools and all of those are already BLE enabled. So having a technology like AOA and AOD will practically allow to bridge both the, B, um, the Bluetooth gateway for remote sensing together with the high precision tracking. Plus another interesting use case that is coming up in industry is paperless factory. So paperless factory is inherently enabled by tablet mobile devices, mm -hmm. which are all anyway coming out fully Bluetooth compatible. Mm -hmm. And that's where having the AOD available also in those environments will kind of close the loop so it's going to be an exciting ride going forward very good well it's been an exciting few days thanks for these insights and uh, look forward to uh, next year's event thank you very much steve thank you Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.